before we start the show just a quick note if you could do us a favor and drop into youtube forward slash no question about that find our channel and subscribe if you really like the show you can also write us a review on your podcast app of choice but particularly apple Podcasts and spotify hit five stars as well and if you really really love us you can head over to patreon.com forward slash nqat pod and we'll do a weekly bonus show on stuff around football thanks a lot Tom, we've had about 24 hours since United were dumped out of the Champions League by Bayern Munich. And just before we came on air, you were saying that you're off on your hollybobs to Australia and India. And by the time you get back, Ten Hag may have been sacked. Are you looking forward to it? Yeah, I am looking. I am looking forward to it, to be honest. But it's also going to be a really weird time for Premier League games because they're going to be played at like 3 or 4 a.m. in them. Uh, yeah, 3 or 4 a.m. So... I'm thinking, am I going to get up to watch us get battered by Liverpool on Sunday? Am I going to get up to watch Ten Hag's last game as Man United manager? Or should I do the, the sensible thing and just sleep? But I yeah. know I'm a masochist like everyone else and I'm going to get up and just wallow in the in the grief that is Man United. I Yeah, I don't have too many 4am's here. I have quite a few 7am's. But 4am's are... Uh pretty brutal especially this season man it's just oh. almost nothing to look forward to at the moment i mean we'll get on to liverpool at the weekend but i, I like 99.9 percent of manchester united fans i'm absolutely dreading that one <laughs> before then we i guess we should talk about the buying game and united being knocked out of the champions league which will have some pretty serious repercussions not only for the question mark over Ten Hag's future, and there kind of has to be some serious questions. Don't there? United having lost 50% of the games, more than 50% of the games we've played this season. It's just extraordinary. So Crazy. Yeah, I mean, the manager of any elite club, and I'm, I think I'm being generous with United there at the moment, would be under pressure with that kind of record. So, of course, he's under pressure. Uh, last night, it wasn't. It, it, it was kind of a different approach, really. It, it was tried to kill the chaos by being just a very more, much more circumspect in midfield. Scott McTominay and Amrabat just kind of sitting there, and McTominay, I guess, was a kind of dual eight, but much more conservative than he has been. As a result, he got more touches, didn't produce anything. Not point two xg. Expect, ex, sorry, xa expected assists from Scott McTominay last night. He apparently had one key pass, which. I was trying to work out what it was. I guess he must have... Did he pass it ball sideways for Luke Shaw to have our one shot on target last night? Was that it? Oh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I, I didn't... I didn't hate the approach. I hated the approach when we went 1-0 down and didn't at do all anything. go out, all out... Yeah, yeah, do anything or go out all out attack or, yeah, at least just put a defender up top and just bombard bombard the box or anything we didn't do anything like that it was, it was just such a uh, pathetic way to go out to be honest because I watched I watched the severe game before that 
and Sevilla were and also we could have got into the Europa League and I think personally like I wouldn't have wanted us to get into the Europa League but the manager should should want to stay Club in Europe and, and do yeah exactly yeah so but I, yeah I watched the the, the Sevilla game before against Lons and they they took Sergio Ramos up top at the end and were just launching balls and balls into bo- into the box literally how United have, used to do it all the time when, when we needed a goal just whatever just get the ball into the box and yeah that was a pathetic pathetic end to the game but the rest of it like I didn't mind it at all I didn't mind the approach uh, but it just makes me think like why haven't we chosen this approach more in the Champions League this season yeah like, how have we managed to be so open and and like that Galatasaray game and I know Anon is at fault for two of the goals and, and without that we, we would have been I think especially the second one, probably plain sailing. But still, like, the, the approach is, uh, it's been baffling throughout the Champions League. And then yesterday, it was actually, it was all right. But I think also we need to kind of take into the fact that this Bayern team isn't that good. And I kind of think yesterday, like, were United kind of better and did, did they do well at kind of just holding and fending Bayern off? Or is it just the fact that Bayern are, yeah, just not a great team at the moment? And they haven't been a great team under Tuchel. And obviously they lost 5-1 at the weekend as well. Yeah. They've had some great results. But yeah, it was it, it was hard to decipher for me. And also they're through, through, through the group and playing in second, third gear or whatever. So it's difficult to, to decipher there. But like, yeah, it's... I, I didn't hate the approach until the end where, like I say, it's, it was just a pathetic, awful way to go out. Mm. Well, it was, yeah. It's, it, it was definitely more conservative from United. You can, can kind of understand that, having now under severe pressure, having lost at the weekend, being open yet again. United have been sort of battered by teams in transitional moments through midfield all season. Ten Hag has invented this new formation called the Donut, which is... There's absolutely nobody in midfield all the time. And and because the high press doesn't quite function as it should, it's not as coordinated as it should be. United get, like, pressure gets to the, the back four much more quickly than it should do, right? So Ten Hag's trying to solve that problem. He solved it by uh, asking McTominay and Amrabat to just sit there a bit more. It did mean that United created hardly any chances. Just the one shot on target. That was Luke Shaw's effort from like 20 yards which was pretty easily saved went straight at Neuer and just nothing no like I think it was Adam Crafton on Twitter said United chasing a game used to be one of the most exciting things in sport and he's right it used to be now we just don't even expect it and I, I think the thing that worries me most about Ten Hag is like what is it we're building here I mean we can talk about the injuries and we can make a lot of excuses and there are 13 players out I think 12 injured and Jaden Sancho banished and obviously yeah Greenwood banished as well so there's some mitigation there but I, I feel like a broken record saying it over and over again shouldn't we get more of an idea of like what he wants to build even though he's got all these injuries I, I just don't feel like other managers in similar situations change their approach from game to game to to do that. I mean, Newcastle have had some dodgy results, some injuries, not as many as us. Che plays the same way, basically. 
Uh, Andrew Postacoglu at Tottenham playing exactly the same way, even though he's got injuries. And to mixed results. And you'd kind of expect that when you can't play your first 11. Ten Hag completely dumped his philosophy and he's still losing. So, like, what's the point? Uh, and that's that's the most worrying thing. Uh, Laurie Whitwell pointing out in The Athletic this week that there's quite a few reasons why Ten Hag won't be sacked. One is incoming new investors. They're going to want to assess what's going on, I'm sure. And second is, yeah, I basically just can't afford it. We're right at the limit on FFP. Didn't manage to get any decent sales in the summer, as always, basically. And so there's really no headroom. And sacking Ten Hag and his team would cost north of 15 million. And that that does go on as wages, right? Because it's compensation. So it would count against FFP. And so he's here and he's got to fix it. And he's got, he's looking at an absolutely horrible rest of the year, which could be completely yeah. disastrous. More disastrous than finishing bottom of a Champions League group that in, included Copenhagen and Galatasaray. So. Yeah. The, um, the weird thing about like Ten Hag, in my opinion, is kind of how he's so rigid with his philosophy, Apart, how he's so not rigid with his philosophy, apart from when he wants to play a left footer at left centre-back. And he won't move <laughs> at all on that. No, he won't, won't move at all on that until last night. And Varane looked completely capable, didn't he? Oh, what like, a surprise. Five-time champions winner, World Cup winner, Rafa Varane. Uh, he can play and, left centre-back. Like, it's not fucking hard, is and, it? And I feel like the, the way that like Varane progressed with, with the ball... And kept playing it with his left foot. I felt like he was like doing that on purpose. Like he's like, no, I'm just going to keep using my left foot to like <laughs> Make show that point. guy on the on this. Yeah, to guy, show that guy on the sideline. Yes, I can actually use like my left foot. And what was weird as well was when Johnny Evans came on, he went to right centre back, and Ferran is still at left centre back. Like it, it, it's bizarre. Like like we've obviously spoken loads and loads about yeah the the the. the the pragmatism of Ten Hag initially early on was great to see. We didn't think we think he had it in him. We thought he was going to be really dogmatic. And he's the complete opposite of that. And he spoke about the press. We've not got a coordinated press. We've not got a coordinated style of football. We chop and change from game to game. Our build-up changes from game to game. I feel like that's why Anana is probably struggling to... To, to also play his game, like coming off his line, do I come off my line? Like, w- how deep's the defense going to be in this game? How high is the defense going to be in this game? Do, what? How do you want me to play out? Do you want me to play long up to Hoyland? I feel like every type of possible way to style a football match, a, a, a way to to set out your team, is up in the air from game to game, and it's just madness. And I, we joked about, yeah, me this probably being my last podcast with Ten Hag as the manager. Also, I haven't been doing this podcast very long and we've already seen, apparently seen off three managers by the looks of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> what, it's, it's fucking chaos. It's chaos on the pitch and it's definitely chaos in, in uh, the boardroom at United. And at this point, you have to question almost everything that has been done in the last two years since Ed Woodward left. I mean... That that was a mess because Joel Glazer, Joel Navram can't make a decision. It takes them forever to do anything and they don't know what they're doing. And Ed Woodward was getting a boner every week playing football manager but with real money. And it's like, <laughs> it was so pathetic. And then you got you know, Richard Arnold come in, 
everyone says he's a nice guy. He met fans down the pub. He got promoted too soon to a role that he wasn't suited for. Right? And and we saw that when the crises hit, especially Mason Greenwood, but others too, the indecisive decision-making and a lack of leadership really kind of shone through. And then you've got the real damage, which is John Murta being the embodiment of the Peter Principle, being promoted to a position for which he's definitely not suited. He spent his entire career in youth development, and now he's football director at one of the world's largest clubs. And he's never done the... It's learning on the job. I think I meant, like, said this before, wasn't it... Was it Trapattoni said when Gianluca Vialli got the Chelsea job, it was a learner driver taking a Ferrari out. It's yeah. like, And it feels like that. And yeah, I do that again and again and again and again. People who are like inexperienced in their roles being appointed. And, and as a result, we've had this absolutely disastrous uh, transfer strategy for the last few years. And it, they've overhauled it under Murta. They've got Murta, they've got Brown as head of recruitment, they've got Andy O'Brien, the deputy football director, and they've got more than 140 scouts, apparently, around the world and all this data. And, and then they just go to Eric, hey, what do you want? 55 million for a goalkeeper who's free 12 months before. Yeah, no problem. 60 million for a midfielder you've got no idea to what to do with and is in the last year of his contract. Yeah, sure thing. 100 million on Anthony, who's provided no goals in the last 24 games he's played. None. None. And you know how many assists he's got this season as well? None. Fuck all, zilch, nada, rien de rien. That's a fucking disaster this club is. And we get everything we deserve. Sorry, I'm going on a rant. Yeah, it's true. But then it's also like the thing is that I, I think I think it is the end of Ten Hag now. I, I, I don't personally think there's any point of carrying on because of the reasons that we just spoke about, how there's no no clearly defined style and no no team cohesiveness. That everything's fallen apart just like it's ever done before. And I don't I don't see how that changes. However, the problem is, especially right now where there's a complete vacuum, leadership vacuum, and we're going through this process of, of Ineos apparently taking over the football side of the of the business. How can you appoint? How can you even get rid? How can you get rid of a manager for one? Like as as Laurie Whitwell said in that in that piece, like it's impossible for the the standing CEO Patrick Stewart from Star Trek. How can how can he get rid of the man the the guy he's in in charge? And also, how do they know what they want right now? They don't know what they want right now. Like you, you, they surely need to do a complete strategy overhaul. Like get a like, like I said on on one of the podcasts before, a twelve month, a five year, a ten year plan in place, a twenty year plan in place, so they know where they want to take this ship. And how can you do that right now? Yeah. That's the problem about. And, and I know it's not great to just have some guy Ten Hag like sitting in in charge, like he's a caretaker manager kind of thing. But the problem is, what else do you do? Like, the the only thing I think per, personally, what's saving Ten Hag now is that problem of if we sack him, where the hell do we go? Like, it, yeah, it, yeah. again, in, in Laurie Whitwell's um, athletic piece, he was kind of listing some of the people who might be up for the job, and like one of their names was Antonio Conte. It's like, it, imagine, imagine if we ended up turning to him, like it. <laughs> I mean, it's just disaster upon disaster upon disaster. And this Ten Hag appointment felt like a, a bit of a change from the norm, to be honest. It wasn't just the biggest name out there. It wasn't just 
a guy like Solskjaer, a former club legend type of thing. It felt like a little bit left field. Yeah, this guy's done a great job in Holland. He's got a clear, fine style of play. He'll bring that over. He's an up-and-coming manager. We're not turning to someone like Pochettino, who's who's had a bit of a bad time at Paris Saint-Germain and, and, and all that kind of thing. It felt quite forward-thinking. And now it's like, well, what, where do we go from here? Like, what, what, yeah. what on earth do we do? And the, the only thing you can do is fix the strategy first and then yes. you can buy and you, then you pull in a manager and then if if it doesn't work from there you've at least got a succession plan in place yeah and yeah. then you bring in the, another manager who fits the same style and fits the same system and then you keep progressing through it yeah absolutely like fix the structure first i mean we i think we thought we'd move forward with murtar but it's clear he doesn't know what he's doing like you cannot yeah. look at united's business like just the uh, clip going around on social today of like the ridiculousness of Anthony like doing fifteen step overs, passing it to Dallow, then kicked it out of play. Right? I was just laughing at that. <laughs> and it's, it's so stupid and so on. The caption was, "This sums up these two, and it kind of did. Right? That's why it's funny and that's why yeah. it's it's gone viral. Um, but those two are just like they're also. It's not just that moment and their ineffectiveness on the pitch. That that moment sort of defines United's shitty strategy strategy in, in terms of football. The massive fee for Anthony because we left it right to the end of the window and 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 Edward Van der Sar squeezed United for absolutely everything he could get because Ten Hag was desperate. Because remember that was after we've been smashed by Brighton and Brentford yeah. uh, right at the end. And rightly, Ajax demanded a premium and stupidly we paid it. And then Dallow's just been given a five-year contract, even though we know he's not good enough. Right? We know it. Yeah. <laughs> and, but we gave him a five-year contract on a wage that means he'll never, we'll never be able to get rid of him. Uh, the thing and, is, when we brought like, Dallow in in the first place, Dallow was supposed to be this, like, this up-and-coming good right yep. back. And if he makes it and he ends up being really good, fantastic. But if he ends up being what he is now, then you don't, and you just kind of sell him and, and like no harm done because he was like, he was, he was kind of always brought in with potential. We're the sort of club that basically we bring in a guy like that and we're like, oh shit, we're going to have to just play him. And then, then he can be the second choice set right back, even though he's not very good. And then we'll give him a five year contract because honestly, it's just. It's bonkers. It's bonkers. It is bonkers. They hardly played him for two years, sent him out on loan. He came back, did okay for part of last season they were like oh well you were okay so we'll give you a brand new fight and mental mental and, uh, uh, and i mean how you many times has that happened how many times has that over happened? and over again maybe they're not gone on alone or whatever but like yeah we just reward mediocrity it's incredible i mean i wish with, i were with there. massive amounts of money yeah god i wish they'd scout me like, <laughs> <laughs> five-year contract thank you very much yeah i'll take that I mean, like, what, what we need to do is, stretching the Star Trek analogy, is beam Joel Glazer out into space and let the fuck, fucking fuck die there. Yeah. Sorry, I've, I've said the F word about 20 times this podcast, but honestly, the situation demands it. It's like the sooner we get that guy away from... I mean, the best thing the Glazers have ever done is realise they're incompetent, which I think... <laughs> might have happened i'm just guessing i think might have happened they realized they they cannot run this the football side of this business can't even run the commercial side because united will shrink again next year and and other clubs are, are going way past us right so um but they definitely can't do the football side of things that translates down to the mess on the pitch and murtar has to own 
his hiring of first Ralph Ragnick, remember him, and now Eric Ten Hag. And and we're not sure, well, Ragnick definitely didn't work out, and Ten Hag looks like it's not going to work out, bar a major turnaround. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just to re-emphasise how damaging it is going out of the Champions League. I mean, immediately it's 10 million the bonus to getting into the round of 16 and maybe no no more than that but there'll be a home game on top of that maybe more than one home game there's the impact on potential future commercial revenues and all of that kind of stuff so we're talking tens of millions just this season we're now in a worse position to qualify for next season because didn't even make the Europa so that's one avenue into next season's Champions League out winning the Europa England or the Premier League Looks like on coefficient, so the top of the coefficient ranking gets one more place. At the moment, England, the Premier League's about five coefficient points ahead of Spain. But with United dropping out of the Champions League and possibly Newcastle as well, and three Spanish clubs in there, that could turn around. So we may be in the position where United finish fifth, because it doesn't really look like fourth is on, does it? Or, or, or better than that. Finish fifth. And then don't get into the Champions next season because we fucked the coefficient. So, like, that's, <laughs> and and then that costs tens of millions of of pounds more in in revenue, and, and presumably some kind of penalty in the new Adidas contract as well, and, and maybe even the Qualcomm contract. I don't think we've seen the details on that one. So, you know, it's really serious financially, prestige, ability to bring in the right kind of players, ability to bring in the right kind of manager. If that's going to ha- change there's very little leeway for Ineos to come in and change things around in in the Premier League terms they could inject 105 million over a three-year period as owner equity so just like a loan converted to equity at some point but they can't do that under UEFA rules this squad cost rule they really can't do anything there so I guess if we're not in Europe at all fine inject the money but if we are of any flavor or shape of european competition we have to follow uefa rules and so it's just it's like really restricted so this has a really negative impact on the club overall i am i am really worried about like the the trajectory of united now like i've always been very downbeat about the the way the the way that we're going and and i've always kind of been very like snarky and and sarcastic about our chances and i think rightly so i mean it's been the whole time i've been doing this podcast we've been just an absolute basket case of a club yeah but i just look at i look at the finances of the club i look at the commercial i look at the competition that we have now i look at our recruitment i look at the way that we're being perceived now as a football club like i saw a real bit of a joke yeah, I saw Rio Ferdinand saying we've said this ourselves a, a lot of times, but so when it's coming from like a uh, a self-professed club legend like Rio Ferdinand, he he said that like why would you join Man United? Like, and we've been saying that for a while now, but that is really becoming the case, and that's not just like a niche view anymore. That is a real like why would you join? Like I look at Hoyland yeah. as well. Like uh, uh, Hoyland's been kind, as we said in the summer, that he's going to be thrust into the limelight. He's going to be, he's going to have all the pressure on him to succeed immediately because he's going to have to be the main man. And all, already, I feel like his confidence is is draining a little bit. And yesterday's performance, I think, was a 
a bit of a an epitome of that. Like he got bullied. He got yeah, really he got bullied in that game, and that's one of his main strengths. Is is is, is strength, and uh, Paul Meccano and and Kim just going through the back of him every single time. I think he had twenty. I think he had something like ten touches in the first half and twenty four in the second. By by far the least touched player to touch the ball in the whole game. I think Anana had like double that. Yeah, it, that and and, and twenty four like, overall. I think rather than yeah, the second think, half. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, twenty yeah, twenty four overall, ten and, and yeah, just ten in the first half. It it is so troubling. And like any player with any type of uh potential, surely are just gonna swerve us. And it's like Well, well you should we do recover? for the sake of your career, yeah. I exactly. mean like Hoyland, we we are a unique club, maybe not unique, but pretty specialised at ruining talented players' careers. You know? And so I look at Hoyland and there's no way he should have been the main man coming in. I mean, he came in injured for a start and he's, it looks like he's carried that injury the whole yeah. season so far, right? Some kind of back injury. And he had hardly any top level experience. And we brought him as the main man at 70 odd million euros, this huge fee and put him under pressure straight away with dysfunctional attacking unit around him. No wonder it looks like he's failing. He may well come good. Right, but we're not going to give him the platform to do it like this, uh-huh. and and like it would have been like the, the fee is madness again because there's no way he's done anything in football to justify that level of fee. They made a sixty million euro profit for basically a season. I want help for he may well come really good, right? So make it incentivized at least with Ahmad when we bought him from Atalanta, like half of it was incentivized that we'll never pay. Yeah. I mean, at least at least there was that. Whoever did that deal, I guess it was Murta, uh, at least structured that one right. Not for Hoyland. And, and you know, they're paying the price for, for that. I mean, I guess they didn't want to spend the extra 30 million plus all the wages on Harry Kane. But he's got 22 goals and a bunch more assists for Bayern this season. Yeah, the, and the difference you know? is, is the difference is complete. Like, it's so stark. Just, just watching last night's game. And I know... Uh, I spoke about Bayern not being the greatest team in the world right now, but but still, like, he, and and it's easier to go into a less dysfunctional team like that. But the, the quality difference is obviously so enormous. But then I feel like also one of the reasons why I feel like really, really low and really quite worried about our trajectory now is that if our finances and our commercial start to spiral and teams do start to like really just beat down on us and we do start slipping down that that table is that we can't even incentivize through big wages anymore like even like the players that like have potential and probably a little bit skeptical of going to united go to united because we can at least give them loads of money but if we can't give yep. them loads of money what are we what are we doing we're like we're like liverpool in the mid 90s where like all we have is history and that's that's that is really scary. Yeah. That's what we're becoming now. Like we we still right now have the financial might just about, but that's kind of catching up with us. We're a joke of a football club. We ruin players' careers. And if we haven't got the wages to spend as well, like what is gonna happen? Like, we can't we can't we can't appoint a manager, we can't recruit players. The academy produces some decent players, but they've all got their faults and the players 
in my opinion, don't seem to have the tactical now to, to, to play in the first team, especially well. I feel like with Garnacho right now, he's screaming at me that he doesn't have quite the football IQ, which I, I, I expected him to have. I think KB Mainu may be the difference. But if you look at McTominay, for example, you can tell he's almost a United graduate these days because he doesn't have to quite have the football IQ to play in that position. And it's the same with guys. Like, no. And, and there's loads of our players that come through, like Palestri, and there's there's so, so many problems. And it's, yeah, it's making me really, really worried about the future. Before, like I was, like I say, a bit sarcastic, a bit snarky, and thinking that, yeah, it will eventually come good in the end. But now I'm like, oh my God, this could be doomsday, and we could be really in a load of trouble. And also, like I say, the competition is one of the big things as well, where someone like Newcastle obviously going to get it right, and then all the other clubs are seem to be doing things right and that that's that's scary as well yeah yeah the the financial piece is interesting because in a sense they've locked in some of the longer term stuff with adidas and qualcomm i I think right now it looks okay in 10 years time that's it's probably on adidas is going to look not great compared to the competition given the expansion of the global market football market and qualcomm it's three-year deal so they can reassess after a while and maybe um i don't know a related party might give us a little bit of a boost at some point but other other teams have overtaken us so manchester city with all the 115 caveats about where they get their money from have overtaken united by a long way so have real madrid uh, liverpool are ahead of us in terms of revenue generation as well Likely, I mean, Barcelona this year is taking a dip because they are not playing at Camp Nou, but next year they will um, massively overtake United in terms of revenue. Arsenal and Tottenham are not far behind. They're now making more revenue uh, from match day, not the commercial reach, a global commercial reach, of course. So United may be like 10th in Europe in revenue generation in a couple of years' time. It it wouldn't be surprising. That's That's not... uh, a, an outlandish scenario at all so we then don't have the commercial might as well as not having the intellect to actually execute anything it's just yeah there's, it's really easy to paint a kind of doomsday scenario about what's happening to the club now like we've done that before and and there's been growth engines they've managed to find new sponsors you know there's still the biggest draw on the planet that's why we get this huge deal with adidas and so on so it's just that the luster of success is not there and hasn't been there for a decade now and clearly the we, we're now media we, you know football is a media property not just a community asset sadly right and that media reach with casual fans which makes up half of the revenue on broadcast and probably even more given like what people are buying there on commercials united are no longer that star entity and and that will affect the club and has affected the club and and so it's right to paint a kind of doomsday scenario of all the structures and then we got the crap on the pitch which is really crap which we barely talked about because there wasn't much to talk about. But yeah, so, I mean, all right, commercial partners also want to be aligned with success, and and you see like last night's result and performance, and just getting soundly beaten by by a team in like second gear who've just come off the back of a five-one loss. And I, I also kind of think, I wonder what 
buying fans think of us these days and and what i used to think of buying when i was growing up like oh, this is well they sang it well exactly <laughs> they sang yeah. it in english you're, you're shit and you know you are yeah i mean i think i just think like all these like football fans around europe must just think we're a joke these days i wonder if they like pity us or like kind of nah. wish that united were were good again like like some people do or they just think oh my god this is hilarious just watching this absolute basket case of a club but it's so sad all right we have to do it before we go we have to talk about united versus liverpool at the weekend <laughs> i mean at least when we get battered it won't be in front of our own fans or well, not that many <laughs> 3,000 travelling fans who will be there and, like, God bless them to give the team some kind of support. What are we going to see? I mean, I guess the best case for United is that we play it very tight and manage to get old Slabhead on the end of a set piece or something and score one of his very, very few goals. Oh, by the way, sorry, just go back to this before we talk about... Laurie went well after... After oh well, he's not going to actually. He's injured, isn't he, Maguire? So he won't be played. But Laurie Whitwell, after Maguire limped off injured, said, "Oh, that's one of United's best best chances of a goal in this game." Oh wow! He is. I looked it up. I looked it up. <laughs> he is one hundred and twenty-eight among defenders for goal scoring over the last five years out of the top <laughs> five Euro leagues. One hundred and twenty-eight. He's near. He's in the top twenty-four shots. So he's basically like very inaccurate <laughs> as we know right because he can't get his massive frame off the ground to like yeah I, I always thought it was such a myth his record at Hull Sheffield United and Leicester wasn't actually very good he scored one goal in the World Cup for England and everyone's like yeah this guy scores all the time <laughs> that's it yeah that was literally it he had that he one, one two one two for United like that kind of thing over the last few years he had a good header against Bournemouth didn't he which I think Neto topped, tipped over the ball but yeah I can't even remember the last time he even got on the end of anything. Steve Bruce once scored 19 goals in a season. I mean, admittedly half of those were penalties, but still. Yeah, that was a man who could head the ball. Man who could do many things that Terence Maguire, as Dan likes to call him, can't yeah. do. Anyway, Liverpool, God. That's, that's the pattern, isn't it? We have to keep it really tight and hope we don't get smashed. Yeah, it's the, it's the only way. And even if we're 2-0 down, I'd still keep it tight because I feel like if we try and venture forward... We, I was speaking to a, my mate who's a Liverpool fan yesterday and I, I know that's probably sounds a bit ridiculous to have a mate who's a Liverpool fan, but he, he was kind of saying that United are in such bad... Uh, Liverpool aren't in great form and... Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't see his batter in you. And I'm like, yeah, you don't need to be in good form because you... you Liverpool always turn up against United. It doesn't matter how bad they're playing. And this form of United just love to roll over to Liverpool. And that's what so makes me so fearful. Like right now we're so brittle, we're so fragile that it feels like one or two early goals and this team will completely fold. And that's why that's why you're completely right. Like we have to be really tight, we have to be really resilient. I mean, I'd probably, I don't know how you'd structure the midfield with the players available, but does that mean Maynou, Amrabat and McTominay and, and a back four of what, yeah. Varane, Evans and 
Dalla or the left back and Wambasaka at right back with the players available. Yeah, like, that doesn't I really so. scream. Scream! Oh yeah, we're going to be absolutely fine, lads. And like I said, and, and, and Liverpool are top of the league right now, but they're not playing particularly well. But that, like I say, that doesn't matter. They that crowd will be really up for it. They'll be brave for blood. And I feel like we'd we'll just serve up that blood on a platter if 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 they score a couple of early goals and and we've got it in us. It's not like we've never oh yeah, under Ted Hogg we've been great against Liverpool. What was it? Last season seven nil. I think I turned it off probably after about <laughs> five or four or five. I mean, it can't be any worse on Sunday, can I it? I mean we've lost but probably four, can. seven and five in recent seasons, haven't we to Liverpool? So yeah, of course it can be worse. And and United have shipped three goals or more at home five times this season. I know we're away. Um, our record away isn't very good either. So it's, yeah, of course we can get battered. And and yet yeah, Liverpool are still trying to find their mojo this season, I think. I mean, they are they top of the table at the moment? I can't remember exactly. I think they are, yeah. They're, they're, yeah, I, I, and they didn't play very well against Fulham. They didn't play very well against Palace at the weekend. But they're, they're getting the results. But, I mean, I think we said it before, the, the system of pressing our back four high, who will give the ball to them, uh, and their ability to then either turn over or transition through our empty midfield. It's just perfectly set up to annihilate us. I mean, Manu have to play because he's the only player who's going to give United any kind of control. I mean, he came on with 10 minutes yesterday and just started ter- making sensible turns, finding his own space, distributing the ball. And you're like, OK, yeah, he's already a class above everything United have got. <laughs> yeah. Not to put too much pressure on the lad, but we need performance from you at Anfield, please, sir. Uh, yeah like I mean Amrabat's been a disaster of a signing he's so basic and limited and you're like what the hell this is entirely about finances wasn't it Uh, United will obviously convert that at like a 60 million pound fee and 500,000 pounds a week in wages on an eight-year contract because we're dumb Um, McTominay we know his limitations he played more conservative and he offers nothing to the team he goes forward, he might get you a goal, but United ship a bunch of goals then because there's the big gaping hole in midfield. So it's just, it's really, it's really, really hard problem for Ten Hag to solve. Not helped by Bruno getting himself booked against Bournemouth in one of the most dumb things I've seen a United player do on the pitch for quite some time. I mean, it's spectacularly dumb. Uh, but a lot now he's of conspiracy out of theories get... out there about that yellow card as well. <laughs> Which is right. He just wants to get. He doesn't want to have to take the battering, so he got himself out. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Would I you mean, blame I him? mean, considering what he would he did last season when in that, in that game because he kind of he, he fell apart mentally, which which obviously uh, yeah garnered a lot of headlines and a lot of abuse from certain quarters and stuff. But like yeah, considering what happened to him last year and, and the whole team. But you want players like that to be playing, obviously. Like, despite what happened last year, and despite his attitude at times, which is dismal and abysmal, you do want players to be playing like that because you, the the back six, no back uh, seven that we kind of just spoke about there. There is, I mean, Kobe Mayno aside, there is, and, and but I guess Varane, a fit Varane, two quality operators at their best. But one is, yeah, been shafted by Ted Hag in recent weeks and is probably not at the, his prime form. And one is some young lad who 
in, in the few games he's played looks better than everyone else but yeah there's such a soft underbelly in that team and the slightest provocation and the slightest like sign of adversity and we could just crumble and I'm I, yep. I'm I'm so scared. I'm so scared. I, I imagine most United fans are probably feeling the same. The way we, we I think we went into that Bournemouth game off off the back of our best performance of the season against Chelsea, thinking if we can win today, we can finally pick up a bit of momentum. We've we've obviously had a had a good month in in November. Newcastle resort aside, beating Chelsea in, in a performance which looks like we've turned the corner a little bit. Going to Bournemouth, beat them nicely. Going to Bayern, maybe get a result. And now, look what's happened in the past two games. Fucking losing 3-0 to Bournemouth. Getting just outplayed in, by a set team in second gear. Got battered 5-1 at the weekend. And now, going into this Liverpool game, like, oh, God. It's like yeah. facing the yeah, abyss. Yeah, it, does, it doesn't like feel the, good. I don't like yeah. the look of the abyss. No, I, I, yeah, and it's deep and it's dark and it's very hard to climb out of. It is. Best case scenario, United make this game messy, defend well, defending the block. I guess even better case scenario, manage to pick them off on the transition or with a set piece somewhere or a pot shot or the referee goes mental and throws one in their net, which <laughs> that'd be nice. I think that's the only way <laughs> we're scoring, to be honest, because who are we kidding? we we're not going to score a goal in transition, surely. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then, I mean, maybe this is a free hit as a result. No one expects anything out of this as long as it doesn't turn into another five, six, seven. But then it's like, how do you pick this squad and team up for the remaining fixtures this month? Uh, West Ham away, they're not playing well, just got battered by Fulham. David Moyes seems to be perpetually on the abyss with this team. But, but, but. They, it's their biggest game of the season because for some completely bizarre reason West Ham fans seem to hate United um, and are up for that one because um, you know I don't know we've ruined all their childhoods as usual <laughs> and and then playing Aston Villa the form team in the country like and I think who have we got after that is that Forest after that to close out the the year yeah it's yeah and you wouldn't you wouldn't back United confidence destroyed to, to get anything out of it. So well, we, we went to them down it, at home against them early in the season. Well, that's true. That second half was probably one of our better performances. <laughs> yeah. All right. So what do, what do we think the team is? Anana, Wan-Bissaka, Varane, Evans and Dallo, and then Kobe Mainu, Amrabat, McTominay and Garnacho, Anthony and who? Is Rashford going to be? He was ill. Could he be back? Could Martial be back? So I think, I think, well, it's, it's unclear, isn't it? It's really unclear. And, and like you say, you said earlier about Hoyland trying to manage his minutes a little bit. Like that, it's not, it's not an ideal scenario having to play this guy who's, who's, yeah, not fully fit. Clearly, and, or, or yeah, what are we going to do? Bring in a, a, a flu ridden Martial? Like, is there a chance that he could press less when ill? Like, is that even possible? <laughs> no. Like, like uh, could he look no. like less bothered like than current? Maybe, maybe he would do the opposite and do like Michael Jordan did that time when he had flu and it was absolutely unbelievable. I'm not holding my breath. And, and yeah, the Rashford thing was interesting, wasn't it? Like, I mean, a lot of people saw him not being in the squad and being like, 
is he really ill kind of thing after like him being dropped for a couple of games and then only coming on against Bournemouth when 3-0 down I mean I hope to God he's back at the weekend and despite his, his bad form because at least he's one of actually thinking about the whole team really him and Garnacho are probably the only two players who can who can conjure something out of nothing Might they're they're do not something. There. Yeah. I mean Anthony I mean look just just the just the way that he shoots the ball. Like in the first five minutes of the game yesterday, did that classic thing, didn't he? Cut into his left and then smash it into the blaze second, it over second tier of the of the yeah East End. Like uh, I mean, he, he still does work hard. I'll give Anthony that. Yeah. He's one of the few that doesn't seem to give up, and I, I don't mind him smashing some players. <laughs> like, no, no, no. At least he's got some fighting. The, so he's got that, but he's a one-trick pony. He's like Arjun Iron Robin, but with no pace, less skill. No shooting ability. <laughs> uh, like <laughs> it's like a pound shop Iron Robin, except he was a hundred million pound shop Iron Robin. It's hilarious because if you're a defender, usually with Iron Robin or whatever, you'd be like, "Don't show him on his left. Don't show him on his left." With Anthony, you're like, "Show him on his left. Show him on his left." He's just going to smash it out for a goal kick, and we're going to get the ball back in a second. Like he does the same thing every single time, and you just look at the technique, and you're like. Like, we were told when we were, like, five years old at our first football coaching session, don't lean back when you kick the ball. And he does it every single time. It's like he's taking <laughs> a goal kick. Yeah. Crazy. The balance isn't right. It's, so, yeah, it's yeah, the, the, it's the individual... Extraordinary, extraordinary that United paid that yeah. for that. So Just the individual quality is not coming mental. from him either. So, like, we really do need Rashford to be there, at least in the squad, capable of coming on for half an hour or whatever, because... Yeah, the only other way we're scoring really is, like you say, either from a from a corner kick or yeah, the the referee picking up the ball and just booing it in for us. Please, I would love that. That'd be absolutely <laughs> amazing. Ball goes in off the ref. The conspiracy theories. It's like, and and then they've got to release the VAR audio that says so like, ball's coming off the ref. Is that a goal? Is that a goal? I don't know. I don't know. Kev, Kev, is that a goal? Good, yes, Kev. Let's give it. Give good, it. Give good it. process, guys. Good process. <laughs> oh, and then a, an apology tweet from what's his name Howard Webb. I, I don't think he's on Twitter, but yeah, apology statement just to wind the scousers up a bit more. It'd be beautiful, uh, please, to see Eric. Please, oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, people seem to like him. He's the rudest asshole in amongst Premier League managers. Did you for see absolutely that? no reason? Did you yeah. see that one where where, where uh, the guy goes to him, uh, kind of made a joke about the twelve thirty kickoff? Yeah, oh he God. he's done it multiple times in the recent weeks. If 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 that was someone in like normal discourse, yeah, in a pub, yeah. say he'd have his teeth put through to the back of his yeah, head, he would. wouldn't they? I mean, not by me because I don't think I'm very good at fighting, but someone would. Literally, a guy That's tries scally. A guy tries to make like the the most vanilla joke in the world, and then he just gets so offended by it. It's like, oh my god, mate, grow up. Ah. <sighs> Yes. Anyway, so best case scenario, we luck luck out on a win, and it winds it boils the piss amongst the scousers. That would be fantastic. Oh, Worst case scenario, well, we've seen that already, haven't we? And we know what it looks like. That's so. true. Yeah. All right, folks. Thank you very much for putting up with this, and we'll uh, we'll catch you after the weekend. <laughs>